The People Show with Ben Azar and Randy Jen. Hour three of the People Show. Bick Nazar, Randy Abjanda, Josh Elliott Wolf running the show, and the People texting in 650 650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. The smart alternative is the Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. A lot going on. Shapovalov in a little bit of a battle at the U.S. Open. Set a piece. He's up a break, though, in the third set. Our guy Adnan Verk on location. Checking it out. But we'll gonna, you might be in for a long one here. Yeah, we'll see how Chapeau progresses uh, through the rest of that match as well. Keep you up to date on everything going on. Busy day across the world of sports. Uh, it was deadline day, European soccer today uh, for the EPL and all the other leagues as well. We're seeing some news kind of still trickle in late. My Manchester United picking up three points earlier today versus Leicester City. We're at the bottom of the table. Not too long I resided by Man United, actually. But... Uh, Dark times for Leicester. Previous champions? Not even that long ago. Yeah, Vardy's not having a party these days. No. It's rough. He's much older, too. It's true. Uh, a few teams down there. Manchester United was down there. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Faisal Kamisa, friend of the show, gloating that they're in fifth. We might need to get Faisal on the show no, tomorrow. We no, we need Arsenal balance on this Tomorrow show. or no. Monday? No, not at all. Okay, okay how I about love, this? I how love Faisal, but it, for this context, no. How about on Monday, either Faisal or Izzy? Are on the show. Or Idris Elba, who is also a... Uh, a Gunners fan? Yeah. Uh, can you work on that, Josh, please? Or or Usain Bolt. How about that? All right. So we got some low-level chases and some high-level chases. <laughs> no Us- disrespect, Izzy. Or FaZe. Noted uh, Man United fan, Usain Bolt. Yeah. Uh, Stringer Bell's a yeah. Gunner. Yeah. He's a Gunner one way or the other. Yeah. Is he working? Yeah. Uh, we still have to come up with a bet for this this match this weekend. Maybe our next guest has an idea. Yeah. If you have an idea, by the way, too, 650-650, you can text in. Uh, Randy, a big Arsenal fan. Myself, Manchester United fan. So we we, we got to figure something out uh, for a wager for this match this weekend. Let's talk to Peter Galindo. Joins us now. Peter, how are you? I'm good, guys. How are you? Uh, we are doing fantastic. At Galindo PW, if you want to follow him. Uh, Sports Stand does great work uh, covering soccer. Uh, today, uh, the deadline passes for European clubs. Your thoughts on uh, for, for the EPL teams, we'll start there. Uh, kind of a quiet day, but you know Liverpool made a loan deal that I kind of really like. Uh, it's a player, Arthur, that has kind of slid a bit, Barcelona, Juventus, and it hasn't really maybe lived up to his potential. But I, I still feel like there's a player there. What's really happened in his career, and can it be revived uh, with Jurgen Klopp? You know, I, I think it's very much a low-risk move mm-hmm. in terms of what they need because with Tiago out, um, they need someone who is comfortable as an orchestrator and Artur can very much fill that role. Um, the big issue for him at Barcelona and to a degree at Juventus was either he just wasn't the right fit tactically or he was just a little bit, uh, shall we say, a bit too into the extracurriculars off the pitch, I guess, to, you know, that kind of influenced his his falling out of the team because when he was you know, playing in Brazil with, with Gremio, he was supposed to be 
one of the next great Brazilian midfielders. And he very much still can be. He's still 25 or so, maybe 26. Um, and as long as he's in the right system, especially in a, in a system where, you know, they obviously like to play on the front foot. It's, it's very energetic. He's someone who I think will very much be able to, to properly increase the pace of the game, but also know when to slow it down. So I think it's very much a low-risk move for a, for a club that desperately needed a midfielder in any mold, but I feel like this is a, a pretty good win-win. All right, some other business that was done in the EPL. Chelsea bringing in Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, a player I know very well from his days from Arsenal, but at this point for this squad, uh, is this a big get for Chelsea or just provides a little bit of depth here? It's very interesting because they haven't really used a typical number nine. I suppose Romelu Lukaku was supposed to be that number nine, but he really worked best as, as part of a front two um, where they kind of play off of each other. Whereas Aubameyang, I feel, with kind of two, if you want to call them nine and a halves or number tens in behind them, I feel like he's going to do very well because he'll be able to stretch the lines. He'll drift across the, the, the front line to kind of draw defenders out of there. And then whether it's Kai Havertz and Mason Mount or whoever happens to be playing behind him can kind of you know, manipulate those spaces in behind them. So I, I do like the move. Clearly, Thomas Tuchel knows them very well from their time at Dortmund. Um, so, you know, again, a, a move that I think, given the circumstances, just based on the fact that they missed out on, on a couple of their targets, I think he's going to fill a pretty decent need for them as well. Do you have a personal favorite move that you saw uh, today? Well, I was probably going to say the Artur move mm-hmm. had uh, had that obviously not been brought up because you know I've always been a fan of his, dating back to to his Grêmio days. Um, you know the the move Leicester made to, to bring in Fice, um from from France to to replace the the outgoing Wesley Fofana. That is an intriguing one because over the last couple of years. Leicester have had a real uh, propensity to be able to basically find that next great center. Um, you know, they bring in Sol Yunshu from, from Freiburg, and he does very well. Obviously, Harry Maguire comes in from Hull, and then he gets sold for, for what was at the time a record fee, and then Fofana pretty much follows the same route here. So th- the interesting thing with Feist is that he kind of profiles more like a David Luiz type in that you know, he is comfortable in possession. He is going to, to win a lot of aerial goals that is prone to a clangor or two. So I wonder if maybe Lester can kind of help him fine-tune his game a little bit more to kind of follow in those footsteps because based on their past history, they very, very well with, with these kind of diamonds in the rough at center back. As much as uh, deadline days about the deals that did happen, it's also about the ones that didn't happen. And at the top of the list with this is Cristiano Ronaldo staying at Manchester United uh, did you expect any difference here? Because it felt like, it's weird to say this, Cristiano Ronaldo not wanted by Europe's elite. Well, and, and I don't necessarily think it's it's really just a case of wanting. I mm-hmm. think it's more so just the, the you know, the, the tactical fit for one. Um, he's going to want to start pretty much every week. And, and I, I guess fair enough, because he is a competitor. Every athlete wants to play as much as they possibly can. But I think he's at a stage in his career now where he kind of has to pick and shoot when he can kind of go all out. And I think his his logic was, all right, if I'm going to go all out, it's going to be for Champions League. Wages would want him as a kind of a... who would as a starter just can't afford the wages. So it, it, it's very much a case of, of just... There, there's really so many factors that would have gone against the move. Uh, 
Hey, Peter, we're uh, dropping out. We'll try to reconnect with you in just a second here. Uh, we'll get you back on the line because I do want to hear that thought on Cristiano Ronaldo because I was going to follow up on Manchester United because what happens now, right? Yep. And and this has always been my thing. We've talked about it for months here on the show. Never really thought he was going to go. There, there, there just weren't enough destinations. Bayern didn't want him. Obviously, they lose Lewandowski. Um, he wasn't going to go back to Real Madrid. Obviously, not going to Barcelona. They have their own money issues. So there's only so many spots he can go. Yep. And you missed Man City last year, and they go get Erling Haaland now. You're running out of spots, and now you have to make it work in Manchester United. And I I do wonder if there's a middle ground in the idea of what we thought is going to happen. How how much did he actually want to leave, and how much can they make it work between Eric Tenag and Cristiano Ronaldo? Uh, Peter, we'll let you finish your thought there on Ronaldo. Yeah, apologies. I think I was in a bit of a dead zone there. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I mean, generally speaking, it was just a case of the Champions League clubs that he could go to just couldn't afford the wages or the ones that could afford the wages just simply put didn't want him as an everyday regular starter. So it, it, it was kind of a case of, you know, his demands kind of going against him at this point. For me, and again, I mentioned big Man United fan. For for me, this has always been about the ambitions of a club rather than trying to engineer a move out for the sake of just getting out. And we see now they bring in Casemiro, they bring in Anthony, and, you know, some exciting transfers, and now they've won three matches in a row here. Can this be resolved internally, or do we see the Sega return come January? I, I feel like for as long as he's there, it's probably going to drag out a little bit. I, I imagine he's going to be a pretty consummate professional at this point because he's not going to want to damage his image, but 100% that this is going to be, you know, I, I don't want to say a dark cloud, but it's going to be something that's looming over them from now until, you know, the January window opens and, and then you're kind of dealing with this whole thing again, even leading up to it. It's probably going to be a pretty hot topic, but I don't think it's a coincidence that he, he kind of gets dropped from the side not completely but pretty much plays a you know an even more remedial role along with a couple of others and then suddenly United's form just kind of completely turns around keeping an eye on the EPL here uh, Arsenal starting off the season very very well uh, they tried to make a move for Aston Villa's Douglas Luiz but did not go through do they have enough in midfield and on the wings to uh, to keep this going the Elneny injury is probably not going to help whatsoever. Um, Thomas Partey being out as well is, is, is clearly a, a bit of an issue. Uh, Samuel Lakonga is, you know, he can, I guess, play as part of the double pivot, but he's more so that box-to-box midfielder. Um, that's really how he profiled when he was in Belgium. So I guess in a pinch he can play there, but if you're looking at him to do that for a prolonged period of time next to Granit Xhaka, I'm not so sure that works. So, look, against the sides that they've played against so far, for the most part, in you know Fulham, Bournemouth, and, and Aston Villa, they can probably get away with it just based on the sheer individual quality they have in the final third and just that dynamic front four that they have. But up against the better sides, that might be when you start to, to notice a, a few of those wrinkles in the midfield. As we uh, look ahead to uh, this coming weekend now in in the EPL, uh, again, we, we talked about United and Arsenal. Uh, do you have a winner here? Ooh, that is, I, I feel like it, it's going to be, I, I would lean Arsenal, but the, the way United's playing, with them getting Casemiro, with them starting to get a little bit of, a, you know, some pretty hot form as well, Anthony coming in as well. I, you know, I feel like that that there could end up being a draw here. You know, I know it's a cop-out, but <laughs> if Arsenal didn't have the midfield injuries they had 
and United wasn't starting to pick up a little bit of steam, I think you'd pretty clearly say it's going to be Arsenal. But just given those factors, I can honestly see them cancelling each other out. And I think if you're United, at least at this stage, I think you take it so long as you can kind of see Ten Hag's philosophy kind of coming more and more to light. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting because with United, you're starting to see some defensive discipline as well. They're playing much better defensively, so maybe not the flash and dash of previous Manchester United squads, but at least in the last few matches, they have shown some defensive prowess. Uh, speaking on, on transfers still, and want to talk some Canadian content here, there's a lot of chatter about Jonathan David eventually one day making a move from Lille to one of the big clubs in Europe. Hasn't happened yet. Uh, does that come down to his play? Does that come down to Lille not wanting to get rid of him? Or is there is the soccer community and big, big clubs still kind of wondering what he is? I think there's a combination of all three of those. Um, because when you look at this summer specifically, Lille were only going to sell him for, give or take, 50 million euros. And given that they bought him for about 30 or so, then there's a sell-on going Gensway whenever he does eventually get sold somewhere else it makes sense because they want to make a bit of a profit. They want to get their money back and whatnot. But when you look at the other strikers who are comparable to him, based on what we have seen of David in his two seasons at Lille now, obviously now starting his third season, he's been very streaky, right? Because he had that settling in period in his first season. It took him a while to get going, but then he finished his first season very strongly. And then it kind of made you think, okay, he can go into his second season pick up where he left off, and then that's when he kind of starts to, to get linked to Europe's elite. And that's exactly what happened. But then Leo's form fell off a cliff. He was starting to lose a little bit of confidence. And quite frankly, I think now, you know, you, you're almost kind of seeing the, the two stories of David in that when he is utilized properly in a more, I guess, deep-lying role or as more of like an inside forward kind of playing behind a, a proper number nine, that is when he can really, really shine as a pure number nine, like, you know, say an Erling Holland type or a Dusan Vlaovic type. That's not necessarily his role, and that's okay, but it all depends on the stylistic fit. It depends on, I think, the price, and it also depends on him just finding consistency. I think that really is the, the big issue here, because if he can show that over the course of an entire season, he can score, you know, even around the same amount of goals, like we're talking 15, 16 goals, maybe puts up a few assists here and there, but doesn't do it all within the you know span of three months and then kind of goes three, four months after that, pretty much putting up nothing. Then I think you will see more of the bigger clubs start to get linked with him. And with him having another year, you know, running out on the contract, I think that might lower the price a little bit. So it'll all work out, I think, from the moment David just finds a bit of consistency. And I'm pretty confident under Paulo Fonseca that he is going to end up doing that. Uh, I'm curious, you mentioned his name, Erling Holland, um, nine goals in four games. What's a realistic number? We were talking about about it uh, off air yesterday. And I kind of said like 50 goals doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility for him this season the way he's going and and what's even crazier is when you watch city's games they could feed him the ball eight nine ten times in a game and he probably score eight nine or ten times it's almost like they're toying with their opponents like you know listen if we're really in a bind here much like the crystal palace game we're just going to feed erling hall and he's going to bully your defenders and he's going to score a hat trick in about 20 minutes so i think given that honestly in all competitions 
he could end up getting 50 goals. Like it, it, it's, it, it's absolutely insane. He's just a complete forward in every single sense of the word. There's really no stopping him. And even when you think you have stopped him, he still ends up getting two or three clear cut chances. He just maybe happens to not have his finishing boots on that day. So it, it's really going to depend, I think on how far city gets in the champions league. And then just essentially how much they run up the score against other teams and, and how long, he stays on the pitch because as we saw in midweek this week, um, they kind of want to, you know, obviously watch his minutes a little bit here yeah. early in the season. But, you know, the if he ends up going deeper and deeper into games, you know, especially when it's a 4 5 6 nil, that's when you could start to see him racking up the goals. Peter, we really appreciate it. We'll talk uh, as the EPL season and the Champions League season continues. Uh, we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Looking forward to it, guys. Thank you. Peter Galindo, Sportsnet, Rita Stuff. Uh, you can also, again, Check him out on Twitter at Galindo PW. Watching him score goals. Yeah. I'm going to make a comparison here. Alex Ovechkin. Not just because, look, everyone likes scoring goals. Mm-hmm. And, and not just because they can score goals. It almost feels like those two guys are individually possessed to score goals. There is such a singular focus at times. Of when I'm in the offensive zone or when I'm near the 18-yard box, everything that is happening around me is about me getting the ball and putting it into the net. Me getting the puck and putting it in the net. I don't care about defensive leverage or I have to skate back or get any. This whole world exists for me to put this object into that net. And there is just such a thirst for those two players. And they just, I feel like they play the game similarly as well. Holland's so good at just like peeling away from people and finding open space that is, you know, against kind of the thinking, get close to the ball and all that sort of stuff. Ovechkin, he's got the Ovi spot, right? Let all the power play work over there. I'm going to stand over here and puck's going to find me. You know where I am, but the puck's going to find me and I'm going to bury it and we're going to go crazy. I'm going to go jump into the, jump into the glass. Holland just goes nuts and he looks so fired up. Yes, I got one. Both of them just have that unique energy that they're individually possessed to score goals and they just look so happy. Everyone enjoys scoring goals, but those two guys in particular, it's like they're possessed to score goals. Yeah, and if you're not a soccer fan, this guy is, A, he went to Manchester City, which is arguably the richest club on the planet. Mm -hmm. They have arguably the best manager on the planet, Pep Guardiola, and they do have a hell of a team. But we've seen a lot of strikers there. Some pan out, some don't. It does feel like he's going to finish every single chance. To your point, that possessed aspect, he's got it. And after that, you know, that preseason game against Liverpool, people were saying, okay, it's going to take some while. Uh, you know, it's a preseason why, game for Why? Because he hit the bar from five yards out? And I'm not going to lie. I thought it would take some time to get used to the EPL because, because it's a different league, right? Not to say Germany's bad, but it's a different league. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter. Didn't matter with this guy. Yeah. And he does have that. And we were kind of looking up the numbers yesterday. It's been a while since there's been like, consecutively 40 goal scores in the EPL. We see them every now and then. Like, hey, Diego Costa scored 40 goals and Mohamed Salah has been doing that. Wayne Rooney did that. But how many times can you do it year after year after year? Like Thierry Henry did it, I believe, four years in a row, which in his heyday, that was something. Erling Holland looks like that player where if he's healthy, that's automatic. That's not even it. Like you're talking about 50 goals in a year. It's it's mind-boggling to say that in soccer, but he could do it. That's how much of a goal machine he is. 
And if he stays healthy, yeah, he's going to smash some records. Okay, and just to contextualize it, Alan Shearer, considered one of the best. One of the best ever. Strikers in EPL history. Again, didn't play a lot of European competitions with Blackburn and Newcastle and whatnot, but 30 goals, three years. Yeah. Consecutively. That was it. And, and those were his only 30 goal seasons, I believe. This guy might crack 50. He's 50. on that pace, which is, and he's young, and there's a reason there was hype when he was playing for Borussia Dortmund. Yeah. There's a reason that the Real Madrid's of the world, the Barcelona's of the world, everybody, the Chelsea's of the world were sniffing yeah. around him. City gets him. Yeah, and United. Yeah, that didn't work out either. Years yeah. ago, years ago, and he was still assault. Martin Odegaard, yeah. captain of Arsenal, tried to convince him yeah. to come to Arsenal, and he just laughed. So that's how our... Peter mentioned something, though, about you know the, the minutes. Yep. Keeping an eye on that throughout the course of the year, because that's one of the reasons the Man City destination was so much more attractive than Real Madrid. There's a very deliberate consideration from the Holland cap about camp, about how much usage he gets. And if he went to Madrid now, it's that Galacticos theory. You you come here, you got to play a bunch. And I wonder if in two, three years' time, he ends up there anyways. And, okay, now my body's prepared. I can go play all the minutes you want me to play. That's something you're going to be keeping an eye on throughout the course of uh, this EPL year. When he gets subbed off, which matches he plays, and all this sort of stuff. Because I, I think that was a big part of the uh, recruitment process for him to land in Man City. All right. Do we have any sort of clarity on the the bet we're making? United, you. Mm-hmm. Arsenal, me. Uh, Peter's hinting at that he thinks it's going to be a draw because Arsenal's not. If it's a draw, it happens. Okay. Whatever bet we make, it's got to be a wash, right? It's got to be. Sure. It, it, we don't do anything. That's the way it works. Yeah. That's how ties work. I how- prefer you both do something. If it's a draw, I win. You guys both. No, I, but I what feel- do you, you're a Wolverhampton fan, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. You never default. win. You Just never win. I, I feel like on Monday we should have like a commiseration roundtable. Because Faisal's, uh, again, friend of the show, United fan. Izzy, friend of the show, Arsenal fan. We should just like bring them both on. And, just yell at each other. And, and just yell at each other. Okay, so. They're buddies too. You got to remember though, Vic. Last time that we had a matchup between these two teams, that it was actually meaningful. Because mm-hmm. Arsenal's had a rough ride over the last decade. At least. I think. This weekend is going to be extra fiery. It's going to remind us of Van Nistelrooy and Keown and Giggs in the FA Cup semifinal. Like, this is actually where Arsenal looks like they could do something this year. And United, after a rough start, they've won three in a row. Like, you're saying this now of having FaZe and Izzy on. I think Monday, we're going to be fired up. We're going to be angry. One of us is going to be oh, yeah. potentially very angry. I, I, I'm not going to message you all weekend. No, I, I don't want anything to do with you on this weekend. By no. the way, you guys are off on Monday. Back on Tuesday. Tuesday. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Well, whatever. That, we probably need that cooling off day, anyways. Yeah. So the bet, I would say it has to start here. We got the stream going on at Sportsnet 650 on Twitter. This is what I say. Oh, the stream. All right. We're going to incorporate the stream here. Okay. Because any sort of bet is two things that happen. I, it's got to be embarrassment or suffering. I know exactly what you're going to say. Don't make me do it. Well, if your team wins, you won't have to. Uh, that's true. If Arsenal wins, Ugh. Bick will be wearing. An Arsenal jersey. Oh. And if, God forbid, Manchester United wins, I'll be wearing that that jersey. Do we agree that on a three-hour stream or four-hour show, I don't know how long the show is on Tuesday. Oh, uh, I got to do it for three hours? Entire show. Brutal. You can't, yeah. It, embarrassment's got to be part of this. Like I get it, yeah. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. There's no team I despise more than Manchester United. Mm-hmm. 
Tottenham is Arsenal's rival, but growing up, the same time we did, they're heated rivals. United Arsenal. This will hurt me if I got to wear that jersey. And I, I'm, I know you're going to feel the same way. What do you say? I, I, I don't know if I've worn any other EPL club ever. Like, I've, I've you know, worn a Juventus jersey, worn a Barcelona kit. don't know if I've ever worn an, another EPL kit in my life. don't know if I can do this. Actually, no, I've, I've worn an Austin Villa one. That's not true. Okay. And, wow. It's a long story. All right. It usually is when yeah. you <laughs> mention that team. <laughs> uh, this text from, I believe, Mike G. Did Randeep just name drop Martin Keown? You're damn right I yeah, did. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Absolutely. If you have an idea of what uh, our wager should be, 650, 650, I will also finalize one more entry into the People's Show Fantasy Football League. We'll do that on the other side here on the People's Show. And we'll talk to Donovan Bennett from Sportsnet here on the Home of the Cox, Sportsnet 650. This is the People's Show with Big Nazar and Randy Janda. One hour to go on the People's Show. Wrapping up at 6.30, we'll throw it to the Vancouver Canadians for the rest of the evening. But you got us till then. The segment of the People's Show brought to you by Fido. Back to school deals on the latest phones, plans, and much more are now on at Fido. Visit them in store at Fido.ca now. Bick Nazar, Randy Janda, Josh Elliott Wolf running the show, and you as well, 650 650. We'll talk to Donovan Bennett about a host of things uh, coming up here in just a second. But let's uh, finally conclude our winner in Turf Trivia. We've given you as much time to enter and give us the right answer. Uh, we asked you which MLB team drafted Russell Wilson in 2010. Some teams invited him to camp later on. Traded for his rights. Yeah. But which MLB team drafted Russell Wilson in 2010 for an entry to the Fantasy Football League? What is it? It wasn't the Yankees. It wasn't the Rangers. A lot of answers there. It was the Colorado Rockies, where he ends up playing now in Colorado. Let's ride. A lot of right answers. A lot of Rockies wrong ones. country. Let's ride. Is that not a thing? And shouts to Daniel and Comox. You are the final winner through Turf Trivia for the People Show Fantasy Football League. So welcome to the league. We're going to the island. Comox, baby. Man, all right. Cross the water. Good for Daniel. Into the league. That's the last entry into the People Show Fantasy Football League via trivia. You can bribe your way in, though, of course. And if I'm not mistaken, I'll have to double check this. First entry from Vancouver Island. Yeah. Which is which is pretty wild. Like in, in all history? I think this year. Oh, Last okay. year we had one or two. Okay. But this year, first one from Vancouver Island. Again, you can do uh, something good for the people's show for the brand, or you can do something good for the people, uh, help out charities uh, to get that one of the final two entries. We were accepting bribes, so you can still get your way in. Help to raise 1500 bucks for charities, a couple of different charities mm-hmm. thus far through Good Deeds. So shouts to the people. Thank you to Plus the Plus we're donating blood. Someone's done that. Gary in Vancouver's doing that as well. So Big shout out. So a lot of people trying to get into this league and a lot of good deeds uh, being done. Let's talk to Donovan Bennett. Joins us now, Sportsnet. See him on TV. Hear him on the radio. Read his stuff at sportsnet.ca. Donovan, how are you? I'm good. I'd be better if I was in the People's League. What do I got to do? I got to donate blood. Do I have to come up with a bribe or something? Yeah. Guys every day. Our, 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 bribe? Okay. our policy is a good deed for the community or a good thing for the brand of the People's Show. Oh, wow. That is, that is. That is a challenge. Okay, I'll come up with something. 
Don't we got 24 hours to figure it out, Donovan? Yeah. Don't worry, we can we can work on this. The 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 current uh, clubhouse leader right now is uh, we, we believe a brewery, very popular brewery here in the area, is going to rename one of their beers after the People Show. So people will be ordering the People Show beer. So you you, you, mean, you might I have to top that. I can't keep up with that. That's for sure. <laughs> How many people are in the league? Two uh, leagues, yeah. Two, two conferences, leagues, yeah. twenty-four teams total. Conferences, yeah. Wow, it's so it, they're totally separate. There's no interleague play. No interleague play, yeah. and then the in the final, it'll be uh, the total points from both finals. The winning team ends up being the, the true champion. So we got two conferences. Oh, so you could win your final, but not win the league. Exactly, you'll get something. You'll get something. Yeah, you'll get something. You won't but, get the grand prize. Yeah, though. interesting. So here is. The, the proverbial fantasy question is fantasy football players start to become more astute. You, you said it. So two conferences, 12, uh, 12 aside. Like, so there, there are two different drafts for, for each. Yeah, conference. correct. Yep. Yeah. What position do you want to draft from in the first round? Do you want the number one overall pick? Do you want like towards the end where like there's a fall off of running backs? Do you want the back end? So you're at the turn. So you're drafting 12 in 13, and then when you come around, you've got, you know, my math is not great, but you're getting, you know, four of the best 24 players, uh, certainly, um, in, in the league. So, uh, where, uh, where, where's, where's the optimal draft position? Put me in any draft slot. I'm still winning, man. Oh, I, I'm still confidence. winning. Jeez, okay. <laughs> so you can just get a nine, and you're, you're good with it. I'm good. I, I've... Honestly, I don't know how I've done this. I, I'm such a sucker. I hate saying no to people. I've been invited so many this year. And I th- I've done my ninth draft last night, and I feel like I've drafted in every slot except for one. But and I, I'm now, cool. You I'm, have nine different fantasy teams. I have three more drafts to go down. Wow, man. It's it's too much. So I have five, which is I got uh, four. Excessive, but but you, nine is just like you're you're just cheering for the National Football League. Like it, it, every game, you want someone to do well it, or. Both teams to do well. Yeah, you want both a sack and a touchdown at the same time. You're Rob Lowe wearing I, the NFL hat. <laughs> that's that's honestly what it is. Our guy Danny Kalu joins the show every week uh, during the fantasy football season. His thing is like, yeah, just join as many leagues, and you don't have to worry about being frustrated. Then and like, oh, this guy scored against me. Like everything that happens in the NFL is just good for you. No, I think that would be more frustrating because I could definitely want say I have. You know Taylor as my running back. I could definitely want him to score, but in League Seven of Nine, I'm playing him and I don't want him to score. Then you got to do the math of well, I'm, my projections are that I'm going to beat the Taylor that I'm playing, so I want the Taylor that is on my team to play. Even saying this out loud, I'm, I'm getting no, no. See, this is myself. this is the inkblot test. Then it's like, is it glass half full or glass half empty? Right? Like he's on your team, he's scoring touchdowns. You should be happy about it. You can't control what what happens on another league against you. I guess so. I guess what we've learned is that I'm a pessimist and you're not. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. Uh, all right. Uh, that's how you get into the Fantasy Football League. Uh, you can text us afterwards if you got something uh, to, to find your way in to the Fantasy Football League. A lot going on across the world of sports. We want to hit on Verdon Adams with you because uh, he hosts the Waggle podcast as well. Uh, but we want to start with Serena Williams. And we've talked about a bit uh, today. 
it's hard not to get swept up in this moment because coming into the tournament, the U.S. Open, it felt like, okay, let's all have our our cry in. She's going to exit in round one or round two, and it'll be fun. And now she looks like a completely different player that we saw at Wimbledon. And now you, you I've kind of referenced visions of Jimmy Connors making that run at 39 years old. Agassi's gone on a big run. It feels like we're getting a marquee U.S. Open moment with one of the, I would say, the biggest athlete uh, in in – uh, tennis in the past 20 years. Those are great comps, and I'll give you another one. It, we've seen now, obviously, two matches. We'll see a third of her channeling her younger, more dominant self. Crowds you know, not being bipartisan at all, cheering double faults, which you really don't do because they are so desirous for Serena win. Cheering calls that go against her on review when everyone can see, like, well, that call was correct. Uh, being upset about that. This, for me, is Kobe's last game, where he just went off for 60. And at the same time, the Warriors were playing, if you remember, and they were, you know, you know, trying to, you know, get more regular season wins than, you know, Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls. But the sports world was fixated on Kobe just for the last time, channeling the, that Mamba mentality. And essentially, I think this is what we're seeing uh, with Serena, she started the tournament fifty to one, the Caesar Sportsbook. She's now fourteen to one. This is someone who played five matches previously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, leading up to this this year, and only won uh, two of them. But but we all are on the edge of our couch, edge of our seat, and the viewership for this time in, in the U.S. Open in terms of matches at this stage. It's four times as high as it normally is. Essentially, every time she takes the court at this point, it's a Grand Slam final. And that's because it might be the final time that we see her. So, man, it it is the best reality TV on TV right now. I'm counting the celebrities every time they cut to uh, the crowd. I'm, you know, cheering for her myself. Like, like I'm going to win some prize money as if she wins. Uh, it, it's been really, really fun to watch. And and might I say, and I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, but like we have all said this is her last tournament. And, and you know, if you read the letter, like she flicks at it and says it, but she kind of uses a lot of vague language and talks about evolving and next chapter. Like there's, I know she's playing doubles right now, and, and surprisingly somehow Serena and Venus are losing in doubles. And maybe she shows up at a challenger tournament and plays doubles for fun uh, with Venus. But who's to say that she's not playing again in January? She said, I'm stepping away to have child and children. But, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but you don't just have a child at the snap of your finger. It's not, it, sometimes it takes a while. <laughs> so in that process, you know, with her and Alexis, um, you know, doing a little birds and the bees, maybe until, uh, you know, she becomes pregnant, maybe we see her pop up at a tournament if she likes the way she's playing. And, man, uh, the forehand is there, really strong with both wings. Uh, the serve, when it's right, is still one of the best in the sport. And, and her movement is back. Somehow, mm-hmm. from the National Bank Open to the U.S. Open, she has been able to get around the court and get to balls. And so I think, really, the fact that, the matches she's played in have been relatively low stress, a couple long rallies, but not relatively long matches. I think she may have the energy to keep this thing going for a little while. 
Yeah, and you talk about the future and what it holds. Remember, she won the Australian Open when she was pregnant. So anything is possible with uh, with Serena because she's already already done something that uh, nobody else has done. Now, looking at her, the way that she's been able to play, but also what I love about Serena Williams is throughout the process, she's been herself. She's always you know unapologetic in the sense that even when people would criticize her for being you know, whether it was they didn't agree with her, maybe they didn't agree with something she did on the court, but she's always been her. And it feels like this journey's kind of come full circle where people now appreciate that. I I, I think they must understood her early on and she was, you know, standing up for herself, standing up for uh, a lot of things in the the, the tennis world. But even the comment yesterday, I'm just Serena, uh, that, that is awesome that it can be cheered now because Donovan, you know it as well as I do, when there are moments on the court, there are a lot of a lot of opinions about how she acted and all of that. But I love the fact that people are celebrating her now. In the past, maybe they haven't been so kind. Yeah, I mean, one of the most, and it sounds ridiculous to say, one of the most controversial circumstances in her career is when she wore a cat suit uh, to, to play um, and you know was criticized for that, even though she was wearing it, you know, not just because it was super stylish, but because uh, you know, she had, you know, some blood clotting issues, uh, you know, post uh, pregnancy, and that was helping with the circulation. It, it, the, the fascinating thing about Serena is whether it's her interests off the court. And, and if you remember early in her career, she was criticized for not being focused enough on tennis, for being focused in, in you know, other areas like fashion and kind of having these side hustles um, and not just dedicating herself solely to the sport. Well, look at athletes now. Who doesn't have, um, you know, a venture capitalist firm, look at LeBron, or a media agency, or, um, you know, other interests that they're using their sports platform in order to endeavor in and make impact in? That is a blueprint in many ways that came from Serena, where there wasn't an issue of juggling more than one thing. If anything, I think remarkably considering she showed up you know as a teenager and now she's leaving us in her 40s she stayed remarkably consistent which changes everything around her our sensibilities change the way we consume media change the way we have these conversations has changed and i think over time the the, the will of the people has started to bend towards you know her uh, sensibilities where she's kind of always been the same and and she's certainly impacted that change because so many young players have grown up with her as an idol and have embodied her. There's, there's a bunch of Serena's um, uh, on the court. And in some ways she has created like the, the monsters that ultimately, you know, may defeat her. Naomi Osaka beating her in a U.S. Open final. Bianca Andreescu beating her in a U.S. Open final, both in their style of play, but also in their story and how they came to the sport. They, followed a blueprint that Serena laid out. And they're, you know, still to this day, Serena fans. Coco Goff, who, you know, should be in between matches, resting and recuperating and putting her feet up, is going back to Flushing Meadows to watch Serena as a fan because she loves her so much. So I, I think, especially when you look at women's sport, how demonstrative she is after points, screaming, come on and let's go, pumping her fist. She's allowed to be that way when women in, in sport previously had to be ladylike, but the, the, the Connors and the McEnroe's of the world could be bad boys. But at the same time, right after that, she wins the match and she does a twirl. 
and she's wearing a tutu uh, when she's doing those fist pumps. I love the fact that, to your point, she can be authentically herself, whatever that looks like, whatever that means, and we're willing to accept it because she's a boss when she does it. And I, I love the reference you made for towards Kobe in that game because it was a cultural impact, and I think that's the thing that I, I think is resonating with me, and I imagine a lot of sports fans right now is this is a cultural thing. Yeah, we're watching a tennis match, but this is so much more, and as you mentioned, hey, enterprising athletes going into different ventures and side hustles and all that sort of stuff. But this is more than just tennis. And this is more than just sport. This is art. This is business. This is so many other things that is using the vehicle of sport. Well, and it's an amazing story. I mean, the, their story, obviously, uh, you know, the hero uh, in terms of uh, what, what the script was, but their story, King Richard, um, which, is, which is a movie that went only not only to box office, but also to to streaming it, and you know was was in different areas nominated uh, and critically acclaimed. So it, it it has become in many ways uh, bigger than sport. Listen, whenever Oprah is voicing your retirement video, like you know <laughs> you're really real. Like you know that you've made it to another level, uh, and so it has become uh, bigger than sports. And I think one of the big changes that you know both Serena and Venus brought to the sport is that it's not uncommon for a bunch of guys to be watching them at a bar or at home or having you know a women's uh, match dominating the group chat because they transcended sport and they did it with such flair uh, and such passion at the same time so it, it and quite frankly when, when you track the tickets on the secondary market you know at the height of their career, and certainly now, at majors, tickets to watch them were going at a higher rate often than some of the best male players in the world. So certainly they became you know, great ambassadors for the sport because it wasn't just about tennis fans. Their cultural impact made them people that resonated around the world. Before we let you go, Donovan, I also wanted to hit you on a CFL question. Of course, you're the uh, host of the Waggle podcast. And uh, Vernon Adams Jr., who will be on the People Show tomorrow here with us, uh, your thoughts on his move to BC. Uh, what are the Lions getting? Uh, 2019 was an unbelievable year for him. Where is he at now, and how does he change what the Lions are doing? I mean, I think if you're Vernon Adams Jr., you're doing jumping jacks in the temporary hotel that you know BC Lions uh, player personnel has put him in. You have to be so excited. Certainly he had a great connection with Eugene Lewis, but when you look at the depth of receivers in BC, when you look at the fact that uh, they've been able to run the ball consistently and have a defense that's going to take the ball away, give you a short field, and that you know because of what happened you know, towards the end of the, his career for Mike Rowley, they've shortified the offensive line uh, over the last uh, you know, off-season and a half. Um, this is the most talent around him. So in many ways, the, once he understands the playbook and understands his teammates, the game at the CFL level is going to become easier for him, I believe, than ever before. What we loved about him in Montreal was the comebacks and they were a scrappy team and he was making plays with his feet and his arm and running around and really having to put on Superman's cape in order for them to stay in ball games. That's not going to be the case in BC. And we saw it early with Nathan Rourke. You just have to be Clark Kent, right? And, and, and let the playmakers around you make plays. And then 
when there's a situation in conflict, let that athletic ability take over and, and make a special play, which makes you special. He, in many ways, has had to bet on himself in terms of his uh, CFL ascension and career. It, it's not long ago that there were real talks about moving him to wide receiver, that that was going to be his future in the CFL. It was not long ago that in Saskatchewan, he was third on the depth chart, and he was essentially a hype man. It was Kevin Glenn, it was Brandon Bridge, then Vernon Adams Jr. Both those guys are no longer in the league. It looked like he was finally going to have his own team in Montreal. He got the contract extension, but when you look at head coach, offense coordinator, GM, president, ownership, all he's had is change. All he's had is turmoil. And so finally, it seems, and, and, and this is, is quite frankly, you know, an audition uh, you know, for the rest of the league because, you know, find me outside of, you know, BC with Nathan Rourke is healthy and, and still playing in the Canadian Football League and Winnipeg. Find me a, a team in the CFL who's happy with their quarterback situation. There, there isn't many. I think this is going to be a great audition for him to potentially, you know, stay in BC, um, you know, long term or at, be considered a QB1 somewhere else. And so I'm, I'm really actually excited for him. He's someone who's done everything the right way. He's, he's flown out his, his teammates with the Alouettes in the summer so that they're training together. He's been a leader in that locker room. Fortunately, you know, whether it's untimely injuries or just the constant change with the leadership in Montreal, the situation has never been settled. And I think now he's just got to go play. He's got talent around him. Keep them in the hunt. And if, if Nathan Rourke is able to come back late in the year, he'll have done his job. And if not, um, then he's on a team that's good enough uh, to win a great cup and, quite frankly, better than any team he's ever been on in CFL. Talking to Donovan Bennett, uh, before we let you go, uh, I'm a Man United fan, Randy Eep's an Arsenal fan, big match this weekend. Uh, we're, we're, we're trying to figure out what our wager should be. Uh, you have an opinion on it? Wow, what your wager should be. I mean, I think naming your fantasy team was something related oh. to the European football team um, that uh, wins that match for the loser um, uh, might be uh, might be something interesting. I like uh, it. In, the, in, in case of a draw, I don't really know what you do. Oh, yeah, there. we just shake hands uh, and move on. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Gunners certainly are flying, but United's bringing Cristiano Ronaldo off the bench and finding ways for results. So I'm looking forward to uh, Saturday. It'll be a good litmus test, um, you know, for both sides. Absolutely. Hey, DB, we always appreciate it, man. Uh, thanks a lot. Anytime, anytime. And I will uh, I will put, um, you know, my head to work, and maybe your listeners can help me out to see if there's a good deed I can do or if there's some uh, people show promo I can do to get in this league. All right. All thanks right. a lot, man. It is uh, Donovan Bennett, at Donovan Bennett, two ends. Uh, you can find him on Twitter. Uh, Donovan Bennett does great work for Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. You see him on TV. You see him on Sportsnet.ca. You see him, you hear him on podcasts as well. We were talking about the CFL podcast. He does everything, man. And again, you mentioned it. Uh, Vernon Adams, obviously, Donovan's very excited for him. A lot of people are excited yep. for him. We'll talk to him tomorrow on The People Show. A lot more on the way as we wrap up the show. Final segment coming up here. Bick Nazar, Randy Janda, home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is The People Show with Bick Nazar and Randy Janda.
final segment of the People's Show today. Bick Nazar and Randeep Janda. Josh Elliott Wolf running the show perfectly as usual. And also you chiming into the show as you always do. A-plus effort once again. 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. The smart alternative, visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Dennis Shapovalov off the court at the U.S. Open. He is advancing into the next round in four sets. Look at that, man. Uh, the guy that I had no faith in, to be quite honest. Yeah. The last couple of months have been rough for him, but he's peaking at the right time. It's uh, He's kind of like the hot hand in basketball, like shoot or shoot. Yep. He's always going to try to hit the spectacular shot. And when it's on, yeah, he can be really difficult. Three-point specialist. It's, just, just go in a heater. I'm not even sure about three-point specialist. Just like the irrational confidence guys. Like AI. Just like... J.R. Smith. Yeah, like that. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw up 28 shots tonight. Let's see how many drop. Yeah. And I'm just, this is just what I do. Shoot and sometimes shoot. you're going to question what I'm doing. Yeah. And I'm going to royally screw up like J.R. Smith. And, and sometimes, like, he, he, we were talking to Donovan. Yeah. And Chapo had, like, the easiest running forward smash volley you could find. And he hit it right into the net. Like, well, that's a clank that J.R. Smith would put off the front of the rim or the back of the whatever it is. Yeah. Or not past the LeBron. Yeah. Or that. <laughs> and it, it happens sometimes. When, when you're a creative shot maker, although that one he definitely should have smashed, put it away, but it's going to happen sometimes. But right now, if he's on a hot streak, he can be up there with a bunch of players in the world. Okay. On that note, for our live listeners as well, Venus and Serena Williams playing doubles right now. They're down one set already. And they're down a break. And they're down a break in the second set. And remember, this could be the last time that they play together based on potentially Serena calling it a day. And the thing that's not being discussed all that much, Venus's future as well. Mm-hmm. Because she was kind of saying, hey, I'm focusing on doubles after she lost her last match. There's been a long layoff. She's been very rusty. But she is older. She hasn't played tennis. And on the single side, if I'm not mistaken, I believe she's ranked like 1,504th. In the world right now. Like, she hasn't played in mm-hmm. in a very long time. The results haven't been there. So, are we watching potentially the last of Venus Williams as well? Seven-time Grand Slam winner. Yeah, potentially. Uh, looks like they're going to go down 5-2 here in this set, in the second set. So, that could uh, signal the beginning of the end for the Williams sisters in doubles at the U.S. Open. Obviously, Serena uh, crushing it in singles competition. If you missed our conversation uh, with... Both at Dan Verk in hour one of the show. He's at the U.S. Open. And also, we just talked to Donovan Bennett. Great chat there in hour three of the podcast. Go check it out. Spotify, Google, or Apple. Uh, great content. So we have some unfinished business like the Canucks. All right. One of them. By the way, did you get a lot of DMs? We're like, you're so wrong. With... I no. Saw, I... I saw the tweets. Like, you're so wrong with the unfinished business. I got DMs about the Buffalo Sabres jersey take that I had. <laughs> Apparently, there's fans of that jersey, which yeah. if you're a fan of it, you have some bad taste. Again, I, like I, don't, I don't know I like what your colors. fashion sense. Yeah. But people are very passionate about the Goathead logo, apparently. Uh, I don't know why. But I didn't get any on those. I think people were okay with my take on yeah, that. I, I, I tried reaching out to some marketing people. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, no. I, I wouldn't have signed off on that. That's okay. All, all right. Okay. I wonder if those, they don't work for the Canucks either. No. Okay. But there was a lot of, to, to Josh's point yesterday, there was a lot of, they have such a good brand and we are all Canucks. Well, you can't milk the same thing over and over again. You sure no, can. No, you can circle back to it, is, is Nike changing the swoosh? No, they were, you know how many people copied the we are all Canucks? 
across sports. Like you can't bring that same thing. You gotta you gotta switch it up a little bit. Nike's gonna go from just do it to unfinished business. <laughs> Which would be true. It's a great slogan. Now Nike would come up with this like full commercial and they'd like find the right athlete for it. It would look really cool. It's like you at the gym, it's like you did ten reps, but you gotta do twelve. That's unfinished business. Just do it. Okay. Boom. That on, sounds cool. On that note, though, better slogan, just do it or impossible is nothing. I, I'm a, oh, I, just do it. I've always been at Adidas. That look, Those commercials with that saying, remember when they had the Ali commercials and yeah. everything? I've always been the Adidas. Like, impossible is nothing. Was impossible is nothing sounds kind of cheesy to me. No, man. Know. Those commercials were unbelievable. Anyways. Let me put it to you this way. If there was like a landscape Instagram caption and it said impossible is nothing and just do it, which one are you rolling your eyes at? Yeah. Like, impossible is nothing is, like, just because there's there's some sports behind it, it sounds cooler than it actually is. So the slogan for itself, it was just do it. But when they had that campaign, I think impossible is nothing. Like, everything else made it better. Remember that commercial with, like, Ali and... Oh, yeah. And was it Beckham and, and I think Zidane was in that, a bunch of soccer players. or a lot of, like... The Adidas crew, yeah. Yeah, the Adidas crew, right? That was next level, man. The commercial was good. The commercial, yeah. On the on its own, the slogan, you're right, just do it, probably better. All right, the unfinished business I was actually yeah. talking about <laughs> was the bet. Man U, yeah. Arsenal, we've got till the weekend, but I feel like we need to decide it today. Or do we wait till tomorrow? I kind of like uh, Donovan's idea. I thought that was a pretty good idea. That was really good. It has lasting implications. Yeah. And, and he wrapped up the whole segment there. Well, that, that, was, that was A-plus broadcasting. Okay, right we could do that. How about both? I'm for both. I, because I feel like there needs to be like a visual embarrassing element to this. Sure. I don't mind having so on that Tuesday skin in the game. we have to wear a kit? Yes. I'm hoping I don't have to borrow somebody's Manchester United kit. I'm not buying one, that's for sure. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll just bring you... Yeah, I got a couple Arsenal ones that we yeah. can dip into uh, as well. Remember that, uh, you know which one I might get? It was like the strawberry swirl one from last year. JVC? Oh. Remember that, like, remember that one that looked like strawberry marble ice cream or something like that? No. I, I don't watch a lot of Arsenal. If Arsenal games. wins... You're wearing that. I'll have to go to like old school. I have like an old like '98. Oh no, United I, that era would hurt me even more. It was, it was bought for me and it was way too big and I wore it all the time. Okay, but uh, it just still fit. I got a bright yellow O2 in as well. Oh, Marty Keown jumping on Rude Van Nistelrooy. <laughs> that same one. I'm gonna hate this. All so right, we'll much. see. There we go. So fantasy nervous. nickname and jersey. All my fantasy teams are traditionally called the Stratford Red Devils. Ooh, so this would be a huge so turn like, for you. I, I'd have to, yeah, but like your team name would have to be Stratford Red Devils. I'm not even considering losing right now. Yeah. <laughs> but if you lose, yeah. you're going to have to deviate from that, and I have to be Stratford Red. Uh, okay. That's rough. That's rough. All right. All right. Uh, let's also get uh, one more entry into the uh, People Show Fantasy Football League. Okay, we got one yesterday that I think does it. I think this one books it in. You want to hear it? Patty12 in Vancouver come in with this one. At Patty12? I don't know if there's okay. a... I'm okay. not sure if it's a Twitter handle or whatever. It might be the Twitter, nevertheless. Yeah. Patty12 texting in. I have a friend named Bob Shanks. A lot of people know Bob Shanks. Of course, Bob yep. Shanks. He's in the autism spectrum and is a top individual fundraiser for the Canucks Autism Network. Does great work with Can. That's right. And, uh, you know, last time they had the draft as well. Got a, got a chance to meet Bob. Awesome dude. So Patty's saying... For the fantasy football members, basically, you give Bob the entry into the league. Okay, we're, we're okay. So Bob would be the uh, the fantasy owner. Patty's saying that 
he will provide, invite them to Uno Gelato and donate a free Gelato 101 class for all members of the Fantasy League. That's a value. Whoa. That's a value of $60 to $70 each. Each. So, Patty, I'm assuming he is linked to Uno Gelato. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, he's the owner. Patty's saying, if we let Bob into the league, free Gelato 101 class. Okay, so what is Gelato 101 class? You make Gelato, like Gelato or Sorbet. Okay. So you go there, you have an, an outing, you make your, and, your and own. We've, we've talked about having an event with the league. I'm, okay, I, I love the City Hall idea. This trumps it. This trumps it. This yeah. trumps it, man. Interesting. So that's like a... That's an experience. Well, an experience, and it's an, it's an expensive experience. That's like a grand donation there. Well, not donation, but uh, a grand experience there. Yeah, so... That's huge. Patty coming in very, very strong with that. And I, I do want to remind Patty, that's 23 people we're talking about, 24 people. So just, yeah. just, just, just yeah. want to confirm that with you, Patty, if you're yeah. good with that. But... A gelato 101 class. I, th- my vote goes there, man. That's that's a team outing. So we make gelato. Like, I've never done that. Do we come up with original flavors? Is that the thing? Maybe. Maybe. I like it. Or, or do we just like learn how to do it? I'm so bad at like cooking and Okay, and we got to... Like this is why it's a free gelato 101 class. Yeah. Like gelato 101. We got uh, a lot I, to I'm, learn. I'm here for the experience. Can I do like peanut butter and jam? Like a PB&J or a gelato? I don't know what we'll have to run that by Patty. Watching the stream, this is how we see me make ice cream. <laughs> it's like you're churning butter. I've been to Cold Stone. That's yeah, like how Cold they do it. Yeah, they they, they they chop it up, right? Yeah, the same way the Amish make churn butter, right? It's the same. <laughs> Can we confirm? I, okay, that my vote goes there. I, I'm kind of in. Well, a I'm in because it's doing it for someone else. I'm always pro helping people out, so it's like, hey, I'll provide this if you let this person in the league. I'm already in on that. Plus, Bob Shanks does great work. Yep. You've definitely seen him at the rink. Absolutely. He's decked right. on the, uh, the Canucks suit, if I'm not mistaken. Always. It looks fantastic. You see him on the Jumbotron all the time. All right. Patty and Bob, you're, you're in. in the league. You're in the league. Welcome to the league. And so we got an experience for the rest of the People Show Fantasy members, and one person is still left to go. We'll find out who it is tomorrow. Uh, I said this, too. you you got to bring your fastball. Because we're, we're going to do a little bit more homework later tonight for one more person. So you really got to bring a fastball. If, if you want in the league, it's got to be big. It's got to be big. Yeah, this this from Patty took it up to another level. This is a, a bribe for the league. Patty threw a haymaker. He did. So tomorrow, what you got? What you got? So, so that's a big one for the league. Man. Bring it. I'm psyched. Gelato. You know who's going to be very jealous about this? Dan Richa. Oh, look. Makes it even better. I cannot wait. This makes it even better. Can't wait. Can we Can we make a flavor? Again, so uh, we need more details on what Gelato 101 is. Yes. But if we can make a flavor that Riccio is, like, jealous of. Oh! Maybe we got to name the show after the flavor. I don't know. I'm just saying. But if we can do something that Riccio's fl- jealous of. This is a this is a huge. Honestly, thing. I think Richard is going to be jealous because we're going to be there, like flat yeah. out. He loves. Is, I, is, I, is it better to make gelato a gelato flavor that Riccio would hate or that Riccio would love? Sorry, Josh, what was that? I hate Dan Riccio. <laughs> I didn't even know that one existed. That was uh, while you were away on vacation, reading text on Confession Friday. Oh, Confession Friday tomorrow too. By that the way, too. I haven't done that in a month that too. 
I don't have a lot to confess over the three weeks. Are you sure? Yeah. No. Okay. I, I I kept it pretty low key. All right. I'm excited for that bribe. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, w- would it be better if we, as a group, the People Show Fantasy League at yep. this gelato, created a flavor that Riccio hated, or he would be jealous of that? He's like, oh, why didn't I think of that? I think jealous. So a Spro flavored. Oh, I'm gelato. sure they have it already. Yeah, coffee. Yeah. Sure, that's a thing. Coffee yeah. Spro. Original flavored chips. No, no, hey guys, gelato. I love Richo like everybody else, but we don't need to make our flavor I, specific to him. Yeah, Come I, on, I don't know if I want to special an original chip. Yeah, he doesn't really gelato. have any other things. I feel like that'd be like wise. tasting like wet cardboard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is there a cardboard flavored? Yeah, gelato. And I don't mind original chips, but like for for a gelato, no, that's, man. That's like a yeah, wet no, cardboard. Man. We'd be we'd be wasting it if we went along his way. Six fifty, six fifty. If you got an idea of uh, what uh, we should. Uh, it's okay, so the people that have already uh, drafted or found their entry are hyped. Texting in. They're hyped. Jeffro, sounds like fun. Can't wait. I'm pumped. Another one coming in. When is the draft? Okay, so it's It's, it's going to be Day. next week. It's Labor Day yep. long weekend. Anyone that's in the league, enjoy your weekend. We'll, we'll talk about it on the other side. And we'll also, we'll send out emails and the whole yeah. thing. Don't you worry. We have all We your will be in touch. You Don't have not you missed worry. anything. All right. One more spot to go. One more spot. Tomorrow's going to be a couple of things. It's going to be high stress for people. <laughs> it's also going to be a confession Friday. I'm ready. Did you read the last text? <laughs> Jay, the Amazon delivery guy? To get Dan jealous, just tell him you went to the PE and went on all the rides. Man. You must be this tall to get on the coaster. So, I haven't talked to Reach that is- in some time. So but I good. believe he was flying back yesterday from Budapest. Man might be in town, freshly landed. He's, he's just landed at YVR in the taxi, driving back to his place, or in the in the Uber in the he taxi. He might be like, like hey, "Hey, can you please turn on 650?" That's exactly how he'd say it too. Hit preset one there. I see you got it on your uh, dashboard. Can you please hit? Maybe it's Gary from Vancouver. That is. Oh man! Come on, man! And boom, Jay the delivery guy. Jay the Amazon the delivery, delivery guy. guy. That is cold-blooded, man. It's great. Vicky, who's also in the league. This gelato thing sounds massively fun. Woohoo! All right. I think the masses are ready. So Patty 12, Bob Shanks, you're in the league. One more to go. We will announce it tomorrow. Last chance. Your essentially your last chance is basically tonight. You have 20 minutes here. And I, I check the inbox sometimes when I'm at, at home. So do I. So y- you can send it in late. We'll check it. But like we're, we're going to do a little bit of homework to, to finalize maybe another one tonight. But you have like last chance by the end of the day. We'll wake up tomorrow. We'll make the decision. We'll announce it on the air. But we're, we're trying to confirm some other ones. And the standard has been raised as well. Yeah. So you know what it is now. You know what it is. All right, 6.50, Let's uh, get to the end of the show here. A lot to uh, get through throughout the course of the day. Uh, it seems like we've kind of come to a collusion on a bunch of stuff. We'll, we'll, wear, we'll wear a kit. We'll rename the uh, fantasy teams for United Arsenal. Uh, a lot of good discussions, though, throughout the course of the show. I, I didn't get into this uh, with, with you. We kind of briefly touched on with Adnan. Uh, the thing I'm so hyped about nowadays uh, is the Edwin Diaz walkout and how... It's next level. They they brought out Timmy Trumpet and yep. there's an experience. To me, it's more about okay teams focusing on the idea of in game experience now, not just hey come watch some athletes play, be a part of the community of fans. It, it's more than that now. You have to make 
each game an event, not just have an event throughout the course of a season. You try to make each game this massive in-house experience. I, mean, I referenced the Avs with the Blink-182 song. Yep. Something I think you'll see probably across a bunch of NHL rinks and start crowdsourcing songs that you might want to hear. How important is that in-game experience now? And, and what other avenues are teams going to start exploring here, you think? You know what I like about the Edwin Diaz thing is, though, it's linking it to a player. And we often, in a mm-hmm. lot of sports, say players got to show personality. We don't know much about mm-hmm. the player. You have a unique experience where... And yes, it's organic. It's organic, but at the same time, it's linking fans to team to individual player. Diaz himself is not doing anything other than just walking. Like, he's all little, he's doing is just walking down. Little light jog as he hits the grass. For sure. And, yeah. like, Mariano Rivera had it different, right? That was more of an intim- intimidating one. He's the greatest closer of all time. You're, you're done when he's walking out to the mound. Diaz, similar, but it's fun. It's not as intimidating... His game backs the up. The whole crowd is going crazy for it. Is this a song? Oh, let's go. Yeah, I'm already hyped. Love it. It's so good. So, like, the beginning is intimidating, but it with Mariano, it was the whole way he was all business. That was his personality. The trumpet just adds something different. And I think that's, you know, when you ask, like, what is coming next? Like, it's so silly. It's a trumpet. When you asked about what's next... I think catering it to specific players and tapping into their personality Mm -hmm. is going to be the next thing. And hockey hasn't done that all that well. But we saw it here in Vancouver with Bruce, there it is. Yeah, again, another organic thing that A, swept the city, B, swept the NHL. Yep. And like it gets referenced everywhere. Like even today, there's a bit of a trend on Twitter Mm -hmm. saying like lowercase tweet what you do. And the Canucks tweeted... Lowercase Bruce, and you go through the quote tweets, and it's all there. It is. That's an organic thing, and that's okay. That's Vancouver's thing, but I think it, you have to continue to evolve, continue to grow. We're still going to see it next season, but okay, what's the next thing? Is it is it a arena wide song? Not just the hey third period sing along. It's like something different. Yeah, something that that's either uniquely Vancouver that you try to put your stamp on it, similar to what the the, the Avs did. Something like that. What What is the next thing that you want to see? 650, 650. A part of that is also teams recognizing the moment, right? Where in in Vancouver with Bruce, there it is. The team jumped on it. Yeah. In New York, they saw that moment. They created the moment. It was, it was kind of natural, but at the same time. It, it evolved on its own. Yeah. It's kind of like a, hey, it happened and we're going to run with it. That's really important here. When you see something that's organic and the team or in social media culture, you just jump on it, you make it something bigger. That's a big part of it as well. 650, 650, if you want to chime in. A few minutes uh, left here on the People Show. We'll turn it over to uh, the Vancouver Canadians in just a minute. Uh, Looks like uh, official Serena Venus out? I believe so. Is that it, official? All right. We'll confirm that right now. And... uh, as of right now, yes. Uh, no, they're still playing. Oh, they're still on court. So, 4-4 in the second set. First oh, set, they, they broke lost. back. They broke back. Let's go. All right. Uh, something uh, we didn't really get to pose with Adnan either. Um, kind of a fantasy question. Because, you know, this is people's last chance to talk to or watch uh, Serena Williams at the U.S. Open or in general. And Adnan was mentioning, hey, it's like $400 a ticket, 320 or something like that. After taxes, it runs up to like 400 
you kind of said uh, if you had to, the opportunity to watch one of the goats come out of retirement, just for one one go, one game, one match, whatever it is, it's a bit of a fantasy question, right? Yeah. And I look back in history too. Like, are, are we talking like recent, or are we talking like all time? I, I would say all time. Okay. I would say all time, and the one I would probably want to watch. It also depends on like how they retired. Did they retire in the top of their game? Because the natural question for me is Muhammad Ali. Right. But okay, so we're, we're watching them at the at end the of end. their career? Yeah, like they come out of retirement. Like, oh, I see. Ali wouldn't be the answer because we know how he retired. Right. So if I look at it and say, all right, a player that still had it, maybe not a goat for a lot of people, but he could have been in that discussion. The one player I would have loved to see come out of retirement a year or two later, Barry Sanders. Because, man, he had yeah. so much left in the tank. You know? Where Emmett Smith has the records. But we know from the eye test, Barry Sanders was probably the most skilled running back we saw during our childhood. Mm-hmm. So if, if there was a player that I would have loved to see play one more game because he was super special, but the way he retired, kind of walked away from the game when he still had something left, I'd go Sanders. Man, that's so tough. Because it, it, it's such a smaller list when you do it that way, but right? It, but it, hey, man, like it doesn't have to be that sort of thing. It could just be, I just want to see them in any, even if they're 50% of what they were. Like Serena's not prime Serena. No. I, I still feel like I'd probably want to pick uh, Michael Jordan. I, okay. I know I know it, it's a meme to make fun of Michael Jordan when he was crushing it in the Wizards. Crushing it. But like, he, was, he was doing better than I think we realized. He's still dropping points, like, man. Like the standard that was set, obviously was last dance Michael Jordan. Like, you're dropping 29, you're winning championships. Michael Jordan still put up 20 in Washington at 38, 39 years old. That's still, if you just want to go watch Michael Jordan put up buckets, he did that. He wasn't at the end of the, the yeah. bench. It wasn't like, I'm not saying this to, to, to be derogatory about it, but like Tracy McGrady at the end of his career was essentially an 11th, 12th man. He would come in for the last like three minutes in blowout games. Shaquille O'Neal was bouncing around from team to team. Yeah. MJ was putting up 20 at the end of his career. So that, if you just wanted to watch him at the elbow, do the little shimmy shake, fade away, hit that shot, tongue out. Yeah. To me, it's probably Michael Jordan. And I think there's a younger generation as well that was educated about his greatness with the last dance. That's why Jordan did it. Like mm-hmm. Jordan wanted to remind everybody to say, hey, I was the GOAT for a reason. Let me let me educate you younger folks. But that would be kind of cool to see for a, a younger generation. We got this one from Spartan on the text line. GSP. That's a good one. Yeah, that's, that's a good strong. one. MMA is different, though, because, like, Anderson Silva is still technically fighting, is he not? He's fighting, fighting one of the Pauls. So, like, sometimes they hang count? around way too long, right? Does that even count? Yeah, GSP is a good one. I think with GSP, it's, he could have fought, there was issues in getting that fight, it never happened, but you felt like he had more in the tank. 650, 650, uh, great job, as always, from the people here on The People Show. Tomorrow... We find out last entry into the People Show Fantasy Football League. Uh, more football content as well. Uh, Vernon Adams Jr. will join us. New BC Lions quarterback. Uh, while well, we talk about fantasy as well, our guy Danny Kelly from the Ringer and the Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast will join us. Uh, get those 24 people uh, primed up for what they got to do in the draft. And also, if you got your fantasy football draft this week or in the next week, uh, Danny will help you out with any of your questions. 650-650. We're on at noon tomorrow, later day uh, today, but uh, earlier show tomorrow at noon to 3.30. On the way, Vancouver Canadians versus Spokane. 
here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.